Seems like the natural world is infecting humankind with some nasty pathogens these days. Just think about it. In just the past 20 years, we've had to deal with SARS-CoV-1, also known as SARS, that likely came from bats, and MERS, a camel cold virus jumping to humans, and H1N1 from pigs and birds, and Zika, jumping from rhesus monkeys to humans via mosquitoes. And this is just a partial list. In a world where pathogens are coming at us faster than a major league fastball, it's time for us to learn more about epidemics and, more importantly, how to defend ourselves. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do in today's podcast. Welcome to Portable Practical Pediatrics, a podcast for parents and families, a place dedicated to children and their well-being. And now, direct from Studio 1E in Charlotte, North Carolina, here's your host, Dr. Paul Smolin. As we have just witnessed, infectious diseases can travel very fast and won't stop until they have run out of susceptible hosts. Some germs require a vector like a mosquito, but others have the ability to jump from human to human without an intermediary insect or animal, the way coronaviruses move. This type of germ is more likely to cause pandemics like we are experiencing today. Any highly transmissible germ will continue to circulate and make children and people sick until enough of the microbe literally runs out of children or people to infect. The contagiousness of a germ is measured by a number called the R0. The R0 represents the average number of people each sick person will infect. The higher this number is, the more contagious the germ. Once a large number of people have become immune to infection, the population has reached a critical percentage of immunity known as herd immunity. At this point, the epidemic stops. With SARS-CoV-2, it has an R0 of between 2 and 3, and experts guess that person-to-person transmission will stop when about 60 to 70% of our population is immune. For measles, a much more infectious germ with an R0 of 12 to 18, epidemic spread will continue until 95% of the population is immune. At the time of this writing, a sample of North Carolina residents finds that only 10% of our residents have had experience with SARS-CoV-2 and presumably are immune. As you can see, we have a long way to go uh, before we can say goodbye to this COVID-19. Specific immunity to an infection like SARS-CoV-2 can come from a child acquiring that specific infection or from a child getting an antiviral medication that is specific against that virus early in the course of the illness, or from getting the immunity that someone else acquired via, let's say, convalescent serum or maybe monoclonal antibodies, or can be derived from a vaccine. And here is something that researchers have hopes might also provide some protection to children during the 2019 pandemic. There are indications that getting a live virus vaccine like the MMR or the chickenpox vaccines can help both children and adults fend off 
other viral pathogens not specific to that vaccine. It appears that getting any live virus vaccine jumpstarts a person's immune system into reacting faster to SARS-CoV-2. Case in point, it was noticed that after giving children live oral polio vaccine, like children like me got back in the 60s, it seemed to protect us for a few months from getting influenza and other viral infections that year. In some seasons, the live oral polio vaccine helped protect the children from influenza virus better than the flu vaccine. Well, let's hope that repurposing an old vaccine might protect both children and adults from COVID-19. Wouldn't that be amazing? All of this information is very interesting, but what can we do to protect your family from contracting COVID-19 until we, as a nation, develop immunity to SARS-CoV-2? Until we get the herd immunity we talked about before. Now, I'm about to give you some advice as we understand this pandemic today, July 4th, 2020. Things can change very fast, however, and I might tell you something different as we learn more in the future. So let's go down the current action list. Advice tip number one. Let's go beyond the advice of keeping your hands clean and not touching your face. That was okay advice in March of 2020, but was given before we knew how this germ can spread by touch and by aerosol in the air. Yes, you or a family member can touch SARS-CoV-2 and rub it into your nose or eye, but more likely it will infect you from an aerosol in the air left there by an infected person. And we now know that about 40 to 45% of people who are infected, who are infectious, have no symptoms. Let me repeat that. We now know that about 40 to 45% of people who are infected have no symptoms. Both they and you have no idea that there is potential for sickness to be transmitted. That's where masks come in. Yes, masks for everyone, including your children. Masks are not practical for children under two years of age. But after that, yes. I know that stinks, but it is the reality of controlling the spread of the virus and getting life back to normal. Mask wearing will stop most of uh, both the droplet and the aerosols from being spread to those around you. We now know that this is the major route of spread of SARS-CoV-2. We didn't in March, but we do now. Skeptical of the whole mask wearing thing? Check out this visual and I think you will change your mind. And by the way, don't believe all the claims that wearing a mask will cause you to have COPD or will weaken your immune system by eliminating exposure to germs or reduce your child's blood oxygen levels. If any of that were true, wouldn't every surgeon and operating room worker have been sick long ago? from wearing a mask all day long, these arguments, in my mind, are just excuses not to wear a mask. Advice tip number two. Have your family avoid crowds of people, especially crowds that gather in small spaces indoors, currently defined as 10 or more persons. This comes back to that aerosol thing again. Here the factors are time spent together, size of the room, and the number of people who get together. Currently, in my community of Charlotte, North Carolina, as many as one 
in every four people randomly selected are shedding SARS-CoV-2. That means that if you or your family are unfortunate enough to get on an elevator with four high-risk people at the time of this writing in Charlotte, and that elevator ride is a long one, which we don't know how long that actually is, no one has on a mask, that there is a good likelihood that some or all will get sick from the elevator ride. Moral of the story, avoid crowds, especially if they are unmasked. Avoid small confined spaces with other people. And that's called social distancing. And spend as little time as possible around non-immediate family members. It goes without saying that international travel is ill-advised at this time. Well, as far as school attendance, I'm going to give you my opinion on that one. For elementary age uh, children who follow distancing, hygiene, and wearing masks, I think school attendance has been shown to be safe in places like Denmark. They've opened their schools up a few months ago and have not had bad problems. For teens and university students, however, we're going to just have to grope our way through this and see if attendance will be possible. Advice tip number three. But humans are social creatures, and you and your children need social interaction. We can't stay sheltered in place forever. So how do we socialize with others? Well, we do that by maximizing outdoor activities. Social gatherings should be kept small, outdoors, distance, and masks, of course. But I believe, as do many experts, that getting infected outdoors is much less likely than indoors for various reasons. I think that families should keep their social circles small and confined to others who follow the guidelines I am laying out in this article. Advice tip number four. And let's not forget that if 100 people contract SARS-CoV-2, only about 20 of the 100 are going to be moderately or severely ill. Age and other pre-existing conditions are predictive of illness, but undoubtedly a person's overall physical and mental health are important factors as well. Are you and your children getting enough sleep and exercise? Is your diet rich in a variety of whole foods? Do you and your children have adequate levels of nutrients known to provide good resistance to infection, like vitamin D, zinc, and vitamin C? And are you and your children managing the stress of the pandemic adequately? These are all important factors to help your family weather the storm and stay healthy. And finally, advice tip number five. It's time we talk about how we greet each other. We have all heard that handshaking or hugging is totally passe because so many germs pass from that kind of contact. Well, that's why during the Ebola outbreak of 2015, I brought you the Elbola, a tapping of the elbows to, to, as a form of greeting. Then at the beginning of the COVID-19, I coined the term the Corona Safe Shake, which is actually the Elbola with a new name. But now that we know that the distance between greeters is the major factor determining transmission, we need a new way to greet each other. So today, I'm unveiling the Malady Howdy. With this greeting, greeters stand at least six feet apart since speech greatly increases the number of infectious particles emitted and simply bows at the neck with a quick bend forward of the head. Try it and teach the Malady Howdy to your family. 
it, along with these other tips, will hopefully keep you all well. Wow, where does the time go? Another Pedcast in the can. If you find the information you get on Portable Practical Pediatrics valuable, please consider rating our podcast where you get your podcasts or rate it on social media. And hit those likes and share buttons while you're at it. Well, this is Dr. Paul Smolin, also known as Doc Smo, hoping that you now know when your town is full of malady that the proper way to say howdy. Until next time. I would like to thank the following people for their assistance in the production of this podcast. Dr. David Jaffe, the voice of the introduction. Robert Beezer, the composer-arranger of the intro music. Anne Gesner, my wonderful content editor. Benjamin Smolin and Jerome Moof, the talented musicians who produced this delightful theme music. Sarah Smolin and Nathaniel Horlick for their digital wizardry and Wendy Smolin Esquire and Seth, the Rocket Man Barrister Jaffe, for their inspirational guidance. Thanks, guys. By listening to this podcast, you agree to all of the terms and conditions found at the docsmo.com website. This docsmo.com podcast is informational only. Dr. Smolin does not diagnose, treat, or offer specific medical advice for your child. For specific medical advice regarding your child, consult his or her health care provider.